tell you, gentlemen, science has agreed that unless something is done and done quickly, man as the dominant species of life on Earth will be extinct within a year. of the President of the United States. Stay in your homes, I repeat. Stay in your homes. Your personal safety, the safety of the entire city, depends upon your full cooperation with the military authorities. Yes, cities, nations, even civilization itself, threatened with annihilation because in one moment of history-making violence, nature, mad, rampant, wrought its most awesome creation. But born in that swirling inferno of radioactive dust were things so horrible, so terrifying, so hideous. There is no word to describe them. We may be witnesses to a biblical prophecy come true, and thus will be destruction and darkness come up in creation, and the beasts will reign over the earth. Yes, the earth, the skies above and the seas below, infested by swarms of nightmare creatures, crueler, deadlier than the armored giants of prehistoric eras. Here is a wild, headlong flight into terror as the desert erupts with the grim battle for survival. Here is a fear-frenzied moment of suspense as mankind totters before a thing that multiplies faster than it can be killed. Here is a desperate plunge into the black depths of the earth where human courage challenges the brute force, the slashing jaws, the poison fangs that guard the subterranean nest where the beast spawns its terrible progeny. To all units, to all units, condition red, grain 267 is the target area. Repeat, condition red, grain 267 is the target area. We can't take a chance. It might poison the whole city. Thought we'd kick off this episode of Monster Kid Radio with the trailer from the movie Them. Now, it's a big bug monster movie, giant ants. Everybody knows what this movie is. But not everybody knew that Leonard Nimoy was in the movie when the movie came out because he had an uncredited role in the film itself. And Leonard Nimoy is the topic of this episode of Monster Kid Radio, the podcast where we celebrate the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your host, writer-producer Derek M. Cook, and this is episode number 181. Now, this episode was going to be something else. But with the recent passing of Mr. Leonard Nimoy, I thought, you know, let's just change it up a little bit. Let's do an episode just talking about Leonard Nimoy and his impact on Monster Kids, or at least on this particular Monster Kid and any other Monster Kids who happen to call in to give us their thoughts on Leonard Nimoy and how important he was to them, what he meant 
to them. I put the call out on Facebook and on Twitter for people to call on if they had any thoughts they wanted to share. And we're going to get to that here in a second. First, monsterkidradio.net is the podcast's website. This is where you can find everything you need to know about the podcast between episodes. There are links to everything here that you need if you want to enjoy or get involved with Monster Kid Radio between shows. There are links to everything here, like our live 365 internet radio station, where you can listen to movie trailers and music from these classic monster movies, a link to our Facebook group, a link to our Patreon page, where you can become a patron of Monster Kid Radio and support us that way. And I know I've been saying it for months, I'm going to be reworking the Patreon rewards, so stay tuned for that. That will happen this month, sometime in March, that'll be readjusted. So I appreciate everybody who's been supporting the show so far this way. Stay tuned for some new reward levels to be reworked and then honored. Also, we have a link to our contact information on monsterkidradio at gmail.com is our email address and our voicemail line is 503-479-5657. That's 503-4795-MKR. So I was born in the early 70s, which meant I missed the original run of Star Trek, of course. But it was in syndication forever, and I do remember watching it on TV. My earliest memories of Star Trek, which would also be my earliest memories of Leonard Nimoy, would be going across the street and watching episodes of the original series with my best friend at the time. I was living in Great Falls, Montana, on Malmstrom Air Force Base, and my friend Bobby lived directly across the street, and Bobby and I would watch Star Trek. And the one episode that stands out, the one memory that I have specifically, is the episode where the red shirts get turned into these geometric shapes and then get crushed on the planet. And while I am recording in front of my computer, I don't feel like going online and looking up the name of the episode. But I think people who watch the original series know which episode I'm talking about. Was this a Spock-centric episode? I, I don't think so. But it is the earliest memory that I have of Star Trek. Now, my father was a huge Star Trek fan. At least that's what he told us. So one year for Christmas, I bought him a trivia game from the original series. It was not Trivial Pursuit, but it was in that same style, and there were even instructions on how to incorporate this particular trivia knockoff game into Trivial Pursuit if you wanted to. I got that for him for Christmas one year. He didn't seem overly impressed, so I kind of took it back and I still have the game to this day. It's my game now. I remember taking it into school one year uh, during a game day. It was a kids bring your board games into school day kind of thing and brought it in and played Star Trek trivia with my friends. Now I ended up knowing a little bit more about Star Trek than the others because I was at that point the budding geek that I am now and my other friends, well, they didn't watch as much Star Trek as I did. As time went on, I slowly became aware of the actors and the actresses and the people who were involved in television production. I was going to be a filmmaker when I grew up. So this is something that I keyed into pretty early and I started knowing their names. I knew DeForest Kelly. I knew William Shatner. I knew Dewan, Takei, you know, all of them, Nichols, Koenig, and anybody that I'm forgetting off the top of my head right now. But I also knew Leonard Nimoy, and I always liked his character, Spock. I thought Spock was cool, man. You know, as I said, I was a budding geek in school, and Spock, you know, kind of made it all right to be this 
I don't want to say outcast because I wouldn't say I was a complete outcast in grade school or junior high or anything like that. But, you know, he was a different kind of cat. And I felt like a different kind of cat a lot of times growing up. This was before I discovered monster movies proper. Now, I'd read the Crustwood House monster books at this point. But, you know, I was more of a sci-fi kid, Star Wars, that sort of thing. And Star Trek was always very important to me as well. I even had a set of pajamas, <laughs> blue pants. And then the top was a white shirt with blue sleeves. And on the white shirt, there was a circle. And in that circle was a picture of Spock from the original series. And I loved that set of pajamas. I don't know what happened to it. I know there's a picture of me somewhere wearing that set of pajamas. I think I wore it one Christmas morning. So it got photographed. But I, of course, don't have the photo. I'd have to check with my mother and see if she still has it somewhere or if she even knows what I'm talking about because this was years ago. You know, I was just a fan of Star Trek. It's just who I was at the time. I don't know if I called myself a Trekkie at the time. I was just this kid in grade school who would sit in class with my elbows propped up on the desk with my hands palms together with my fingers split in the Vulcan salute and then resting my chin between the appropriate fingers to spread the fingers out so that I could learn to make my muscles work the way I needed them to work to do the Vulcan salute. I would sit there for hours listening to the teacher or whatever it is we were supposed to be doing in class when I wasn't drawing monsters, holding my hands this way so I could master that symbol that Spock made so popular on the TV show. I know this is very Star Trek heavy and Star Trek centric. And for me, that's where I knew Nimoy the most from. As I got older and started paying attention to other movies outside of the genre, I became aware of him as a director and well, I always kind of chuckled a little bit when I'd see his name on a non-genre film as the director of the movie. Up to and including the 1994 movie A Holy Matrimony starring Patricia Arquette. And the only reason I know this movie is because it got played a lot in the local blockbuster I was working at the time. It wasn't rated R, so we were able to slip it into the VCR and play it through the store. And every time Leonard Nimoy's name come up as the director credit, I just kind of giggled. I'd point it out and laugh and try to share a little bit of Star Trek nerdery with my coworkers. The movie uh, hasn't really made a huge mark on me, except that I know that Nimoy was the director. I know he directed other things, too. But these are the things that immediately stand out when I think about what Leonard Nimoy has meant to me growing up as a latter-day monster kid. You know, I started out as a sci-fi guy, so there was Star Trek. And then as time went on, you know... I became a fan of all things fantastic and classic and that sort of thing. So when I think Nimoy, I think it's fair that I think of Spock first. And I know that's not the only thing he was. I know in the 70s he did some things like In Search Of, which I didn't watch a lot of, you know, until recently, actually. It just wasn't something that got played in my home growing up. I was probably a little young for it, and if it ever got played in syndication or in reruns or something like that, it just didn't catch me at the time. Things just didn't work out. I've since gone back and watched quite a few episodes, and I just love his delivery and the way he talks about the subjects of the In Search of episodes. I know, yeah, a lot of it was him reading a script, and I get that, but he brought so much to the table, and he was so authoritative, partly because of the Spock background, I'm sure, but he just had such a great voice. He could just talk and you couldn't help but listen. Like when he did some voice acting for Disney in the movie Atlantis. I mean, for crying out loud, Nimoy in a Disney movie. Now, of course, before I'd seen that movie, I'd seen him, well, heard him in another animated feature, and that would be Transformers, the movie where he played Galvatron. I mean, he played the villain. Leonard Nimoy as a bad guy. Yeah, it was a cartoon that was based on a series of toys. That, I mean, it was basically an overlong commercial, but 
Nimoy's voice as the villain? Come on. It was wonderful. And man, I cannot think of my childhood as I think about it now, as I go back and think about my childhood and all the different things that I was into. There was always a little bit of Nimoy there. Star Trek, Transformers the movie. And even now today, there's Nimoy there. I watched the movie The Brain Eaters for the first time last Halloween. And guess who's in that movie? Leonard Nimoy. There was a movie that I wanted to review on my old zombie movie podcast called Zombies of the Stratosphere. And why was that one on my radar? Well, it was a serial and can't get enough serials. But Leonard Nimoy was in that movie. I never got around to reviewing it on that zombie show. Someday I'll talk about it here on Monster Kid Radio. In fact, why don't we go ahead and play those trailers now? I don't know. Ejected from unexplored secret stratus, this giant harder-than-steel piston disgorges strange creatures, inundating our world, twisting the emotions of women, distorting our men. This is a piece we got off the mayor. Reflex action like a snake. Got a snake in half and the two pieces go off in different directions. These things take over a man's mind? He becomes a a robot? A machine taking orders? Join the hunt for the hiding place of terror. Find the breeding place of these globs of destruction. In feeding the mouth parts, rupture the cells, convey the food to the stomach by a, a pumping action. It's an adventure that'll burst your blood vessels with suspense. See the brain eaters. Zombies of the stratosphere. Out of the air and from under the sea, these weird zombies from Mars swarm in to annihilate the Earth. What? What are you? I am Marix, a native of the planet Mars. Perhaps not quite a human being by Earthly standards. The orbit of our planet Mars is so far from the sun that climatic and atmospheric conditions there are much inferior to those on Earth. We can construct an H-bomb which, when detonated at the correct time and position, will alter the rotation of a planet enough to change its orbit to any extent we desire. You propose to move Mars into the same orbit as the Earth? Exactly. Their diabolical scheme seems sure of success until Larry Martin is called upon. And so, Larry Martin, we direct you to use all means at your command to rid the Earth of these horrible zombies. We're informed that another of their rockets is now approaching Earth. Is there time to intercept it with your rocket? No, at the rate that ship is traveling, it'll be out of radar range before we can get off the ground. Unless it lands. Then ground defense will handle it, Bob. Unless Mr. Steele thinks we can help. Yes, Larry, I do. It is the duty of my department to handle all matters, menacing world security. And you're one of my executives. I realize that your work has usually been in the interplanetary zone. In this case, I think you ought to take charge, both on land and in the air. Very well. There he is. On target, steady as she goes. Firing ray gun. The public brings you weird adventure in 12 explosive, suspense-filled episodes. 
stratosphere. When I think about Leonard Nimoy passing on, it makes me think about some of the things that were important to me as a kid and some of the things that I missed out on, like In Search Of or the movie Baffled, which is a movie that I just watched in honor of Leonard Nimoy. Sure, the weekend after he passed, I watched a lot of classic Star Trek at home. I have them all on Blu-ray and, of course, Amazon has them available for streaming as well. And I watched a lot of classic Trek, even season three. I watched things like Spectre of the Gun, which is one of my favorite episodes of season three and, coincidentally, an episode in which Spock is instrumental to the crew surviving the threat of the week. So, you know, I watched a lot of that, but then I also wanted to watch something that was a little off the beaten path, and that's where Baffled came from. Now, Baffled was a 1973 TV movie. It was actually originally a TV pilot, and it didn't get picked up. So it ended up not being produced as a series, ended up being released as a TV movie instead. It was released on DVD a little bit ago from Scorpion releasing, and you know what? I kind of dug it. I really enjoyed it. It's Leonard Nimoy as a race car driver named Tom Kovac. And Kovac starts having these visions, these psychic premonitions. And the movie would tread some familiar 1970s TV movie waters by telling us a story in which a couple of characters who are psychically gifted go after supernatural evil in a 1970s way, complete with 1970s music and TV movie pacing. Nimoy was the lead. He starred with Susan Hampshire as his partner, I suppose. If the series had continued, they may have developed a romantic relationship. Vera Miles is a guest star in the show. It was really entertaining. I actually found myself enjoying this TV movie, and I would have watched this as a series. I'd pick this up on DVD if it was a TV series. I'd enjoy it, I think. It really had a lot of promise. It was shot in London, so you got to see Nimoy not just on the Starship Enterprise and not out and about in America, but actually in London, driving as this race car driver pursuing the supernatural occult-like threats. It's a fun ride. No pun intended. Of course, some Spockisms do kind of work their way into his performance. And, you know, I don't think that's a bad thing. That was something that he was known for. And the raising of the eyebrow, I mean, come on. That's just Spock. Scratch that. That's just Nimoy. I know he turned up on the TV show Fringe for a couple of years. And, you know, I watched a little bit of that. I didn't stick with that series all the way to the end. But I did see him on that. And it was enjoyable to see him on that. And whatever the Star Trek reboot films mean to you, having Nimoy in there is a familiar touchstone. Well, I think that was important, and that made those movies, well, something that I had to watch, even though I prefer the original films and series. Here among a billion stars, a lonely ship streaks along an endless path. It's the mammoth starship Enterprise. Follow her trackless journey each week on Star Trek. William Shatner stars as Captain James Kirk, starship commander, and Leonard Nimoy stars as science officer Spock, half-Earthling, half-Vulcanian. There are hazards that beset the Enterprise and its crew on board ship and on alien planets. Don't miss Star Trek in color. As I read more and more tributes to Leonard Nimoy on the internet and read more about the things that he was involved with outside of Star Trek, I was tangentially aware of his full body project and, of course, 
can't think about Nimoy without thinking about the legend of Bilbo Baggins. You hear about these things and you read about these things and you walk away from them thinking that Nimoy was so much more than Spock. He put so much of himself into Spock, but he was such a well-rounded artist and human being and somebody that I wish I'd run into at a convention at some point, somebody that I'm sure knew that he had a massive impact on generations of people and fans around the world, but never let it get to his head. He was always looking to get involved in something different, whether it was his poetry, his photography, the different kind of acting roles. He did stage work. I mean, I would have loved to have seen Leonard Nimoy on stage. Well, who wouldn't? Unfortunately, we'll never have that opportunity now because the man has passed on. And I hope that in the end, he had some semblance of knowing how much he meant to all of us. And that because of him, we all certainly hope to live long and prosper. As I said at the top of this, I put the call out on Facebook. I know it was real short notice, but I asked people to call in with their thoughts about Leonard Nimoy if they had anything they wanted to share. So we're going to end the show on that. I'm not going to come back on the show, so just so everybody knows, here in a couple of days on Monster Kid Radio, uh, we will be bringing you coverage from the Monster Kid Radio crash when we saw The Last Man on Earth at the Joy Cinema last week. So, hope to see everybody back here here in a couple of days. R.I.P. L.L.A.P. Hey, everybody out in Monster Kid Radio land. This is Chris McMillan, writer and publisher of The Shadow Over Portland, talking a little bit about Leonard Nimoy and what his character of Spock meant to me. Now, I have to be upfront and honest, I'm not a real Trekkie, or I think Nimoy's preferred term was a Trekker. I don't have all the original series on DVDs. I don't really follow any of the um, you know other series. But as a kid, Star Trek, the original series was almost always being rerun on KPTV 12 here in Portland, Oregon. And as one of the only genre shows, actually, that was being shown in the afternoons after school on a regular basis, um, I was always watching Star Trek back then. And a lot of it had to do with Mr. Spock. You see, I didn't... I thought back after um, Nimoy's... Death was announced, and wondered why I was so involved and so drawn to that character. Because um, I'm not very logical. I'm not a science guy. Um, I'm nothing like him, except I wanted to be him because he was the outsider that I was, but he fit in with all these other really interesting people. Um, Seriously, if you look at the crew of the Starship Enterprise, it's almost like a high school cool kids clique. You know, you've got the athletic, handsome, you know, Kirk leading all these interesting, fun-loving, adventurous people throughout the stars. And right in the middle of all that mix, you've got Spock, who's not on the same wavelength as they are. He is basically an outsider. He, he doesn't understand why these people like what they like and do what they do. And they don't really understand him. And yet they're, everybody is accepting of everyone else. Everybody works together for the common good. Every, nobody 
is left out and made to feel different. You know, there's the general ribbing between um, Spock and McCoy, but it's not what I and probably a lot of other science fiction, fantasy, and horror fans experienced in high school. It's not cruel. Um, It wasn't the bullying. It wasn't the making you feel like you're some sort of freak. Um, Spock got into a group that respected him for who he was, even though they were totally different and, you know, the people everybody would want to hang out with. Um, He got into that group and he became one of them. And that's, you know, kind of what I wanted in high school. I wanted to be like Spock. I wanted to be accepted by some cool people. Back when I was in high school, I was basically the only kid in my class who had interests in, in, you know, horror and science fiction. So if I was going to find friends, they would have to be, you know, someone who didn't have, you know, a group that didn't have the same interests as I did. And while I never fit in to any group in high school, Spock always gave me hope that eventually I would. The other nice thing about Spock that I gravitated towards as a um, teenager was the fact that he could be himself and still be considered attractive. You know, Kirk was always on 24-7 seduction mode, where Spock just was himself, and Spock still had women fall for him. Now, yeah, back when I was a teenager, that was kind of important, too, because, you know, there weren't that many, there weren't any girls in my school that were interested in the same thing I was. So it was nice to see someone else who really was kind of an outsider find friendship, companionship, um, you know, people finding him interesting. He was basically a role model. He made me believe that that sort of thing was possible and kind of helped me through a few tough times in high school. Well, that was a bit of a ramble. I do want to mention a couple more things, though, about Mr. Nimoy. First, um, because Spock was such a pivotal character in my youth, it's unfortunate that I was never able to see him as anything but Mr. Spock. I mean, he did a great job in the remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but... Once he came on screen, I automatically was thinking, oh, that's a great role for Spock. I mean, Leonard Nimoy, Um, you know, because, you know, emotionless, this is just the evil Spock from Mirror Mirror. Um, In fact, when he showed up as William Bell on the TV series Fringe in an alternate reality, um, there was a critic who actually brought up the Mirror Mirror episode, thinking it was, you know, the Fringe plotline was echoing that. Um, So it was impossible for him to really shake the character, which is too bad because uh, especially now after his passing, so much of what I didn't know about Leonard Nimoy himself has come up. Um, I had, you know, I knew he had done some records. Uh, I knew 
other shows he had acted in, you know, I mean, everything from, uh, what was that zombies of the stratosphere to in search of, and, and all sorts of television and movies. But I really didn't realize how much of a stage performer he was. I didn't realize that he directed plays as well as movies and television series. Um, he was a photographer, and he actually was a pilot with his own aircraft. Um, he was a lot more than Spock, but everything he did in life, it's really part of Spock. His desire to explore other avenues of expression, his desire to learn, to experience new things, you know, that all was part of that character. And it's what made Spock so special and a character that most of us will really never forget. So farewell, Mr. Nimoy. Rest in peace. And I just wanted to let everybody know if you want to celebrate the life of Leonard Nimoy, uh, the Hollywood Theater will be running Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, this Saturday, March 7th, at 6.30 p.m. I can guarantee there won't be a dry eye in the house at the end of the show. Sorry, sorry. Derek, this is Sasquatch from Dread Media. Uh, I just wanted to call in, speak about a great man, Mr. Leonard Nimoy. You know, when I'm not uh, chasing uh, Daryl and Desmond through the woods, the Pacific Northwest, or having wine tasting with Devil Dinosaur Jr., most people didn't realize that I was in a surf rock band with Mr. Leonard Nimoy. You know, many men have hunted me, but only one man searched for me, and that was Mr. Nimoy. The man was what we like to call... A mensch. Jew or Gentile, man, woman, alien, or legendary beast. He, uh, he was good to us all. So, I just wanted to call and pay my respects for a great, great man, Mr. Nimoy. Keep on keeping on. Hey, Monster Kid Radio listeners. This is Tracy, one of the former guests on the show and co-host of the Disney Indiana podcast. And I just wanted to call in with my thoughts on the loss of Leonard Nimoy. Um, being a science fiction fan, of course, most of my memories revolve around his role as Mr. Spock in Star Trek, the original series. I grew up watching them in reruns, and um, I think they really formed a part of my love of the genre. But I also wanted to share some of a review that I wrote about 10 years ago after reading his first memoir, 1975's I Am Not Spock. Despite the title, Lemoy writes of his alter ego and the time spent in the Star Trek world with fondness. The memoir starts out semi-chronologically, but then veers off into varying topics. Uh, was written again in 1975, and he marvels at the intense interest in a series more than five years old and only available at that point in limited syndication. And he speaks with pride about his acting choices. He has internal dialogues with Spock, revealing his conflicted feelings. 
And he does ponder at this point the possibility of doing some directing. And I've got in my notes, wait a few more years, Leonard. So it was, I remember it being a very interesting memoir to read, and I'd be curious to compare it with I Am Spock, which was his second volume memoir. So uh, this gentleman will definitely be missed. His acting style, his generosity, everything I've always read about him or heard about him, he was very good at interacting with his fans, and um, he'll definitely be missed. This is Richard, the Monster Movie Kid, calling to you with my thoughts on the passing of Leonard Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy's passing, while not really that unexpected, considering the news that he had been hospitalized the week before, still came as a bit of a shock on Friday, and I really did feel like I was kicked in the gut. A friend of mine sent me a text message and asked if I was okay, and I hadn't heard the news yet. And when I did read it online, it uh, it really did feel like a very huge part of my childhood had just passed away. Leonard Nimoy is has a strong connection to my dad and to Star Trek and to me. It kind of seems like we're all interconnected in a way because of the bond that my dad and I still have to this day over Star Trek. Growing up in the 1970s, my one of my very earliest television memories, actually, was watching Star Trek with the family. And my dad and I would watch Star Trek together all the time in the 1970s. In, uh, you know, the 1990s and 2000s, my dad and I attended quite a few Trek Expos, a Star Trek convention down in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He was there with me for my very first one in 1998. And we attended the last four together uh, up until the last one that was held in 2012. And one of those last years, Leonard Nimoy was there. Uh, I had a chance to see Leonard Nimoy on three different occasions. The first time wasn't the best. He was a little under the weather. But that night, he actually did a live performance of Spock versus Q with John Delancey that was utterly amazing. And uh, he was much better that night. And then, of course, the next time he was there with William Shatner, which was great to see those two guys on stage together. They really did look and act like brothers. And then the last time he was there by himself, my dad was there with me. Um, my dad and I, we've seen, well, we saw the first five Star Trek movies together. And then unfortunately, time and distance prevented us from seeing you know any more movies for a while. But 20 years later, in 2009, my mom and dad were visiting the weekend that the new Star Trek movie came out, and my dad and I went, you know, for the first time in 20 years, and it was awesome. And my dad, you know, one of the world's oldest Trekkies, because when we went to those conventions, you know, that last convention, my dad was, what, 80 years old, and he was still there, walking with a cane, but God, God love him, he was there with me. Um, in 2013, my dad and I went to go see Star Trek Into Darkness, and unfortunately, that's the, the last movie that uh, my dad was able to go to the movie theater. His health has been in steady decline in the last two years. Uh, Trek Expo wasn't held that year, and it just seemed kind of like a changing of the guard. Uh, you know, some, some part of uh, our connection kind of went away. And in the last two years, as my dad has continued to slip, it's been really hard. My dad was the same age, is the same age, as Leonard Nimoy, and... When Leonard passed on Friday, one of my very first thoughts were the fact that, you know, I'm most likely going to be losing my dad sometime soon. Uh, his health isn't the best, and he's hanging on. God love him. But I, I kind of becoming to come to terms of peace with the fact that my dad, 
you know, could pass away this year. And uh, with Leonard's passing on Friday, it was just a stern reminder that, you know, I've lost this huge part of my childhood. I'm not the young man that I used to be. And, you know, I'm coming to a point in my life where I'm very close, you know, to losing my father. And um, I think out of all the actors of the original Star Trek, Leonard Nimoy is the one who had perhaps the most class. He never, other than maybe DeForest Kelly, who I never had an opportunity to meet, but he never grumbled. He never voiced any major dissatisfactions over anything. He never really had um, uh, a, a goal or a mission or anything that he was, you know, selling or, or shilling or anything like that. It was just, he was, he was who he was. And uh, he was a gentleman. He was a class act. And the science fiction community uh, has suffered a really big, big loss. I think Star Trek has suffered perhaps its biggest loss with the passing of Leonard Nimoy. I don't think that as we lose any others uh, over, you know, unfortunately, the forthcoming years, it's going to happen. William Shatner is the same age as Leonard Nimoy, although appears to be in really good health. Um, I'm not sure the world will will mourn Shatner's loss as the same as they are Leonard Nimoy's now. So um, anyway, uh, thank you for this opportunity to to share the loss that that we're all sharing right now in Leonard Nimoy. Um, and for me, like I said, it's it's hitting a very personal personal you know chord because of my you know bond with Star Trek with my dad. Um, so with that, thank you as always, and take care, my friend. Randy Bowser here, author of Karloff, the one-man show about Boris Karloff. I have no doubt that every single Monster Kid Radio listener is a Leonard Nimoy fan. I also think it's very possible that many of us here haven't seen Leonard's most amazing and probably best performance ever captured on camera. For three years, through 1981... Nimoy presented his one-man show titled Vincent, about painter Vincent van Gogh. Before putting the show away, he directed a version of the play for television, and it was taped during a live performance. Being a one-man show, it is the biggest role and most sustained performance Nimoy ever gave. It is too bad that the video is now scarce and very expensive at Amazon, But if there's any way you can manage to see Vincent, I can practically guarantee you will admire Nimoy's talents more than ever after seeing it. He was a Renaissance man, writing both prose and poetry, composing music, directing films, and producing magnificent photographs. He was an amazing individual. And of course, he'll live forever as Spock, but there was much more to him than that one role. Seek out Vincent You'll be blown away. Hello, Derek. This is Nicholas Hatcher from Vampire Over Hollywood podcast calling in on this uh, late Friday night. Um, It's a sad day. It's a day of mourning uh, for Leonard Nimoy. I thought I'd call in with a little bit of my um, memories and uh, how important Leonard Nimoy is to me and to our fandom. You know, I grew up as a Star Wars kid, I, I liked Star Wars and I never really saw Star Trek when I was growing up. I kind of had an idea of it, but it just wasn't something that really piqued my interest. Um, then when I got older in college, I started becoming interested in the show Star Trek and I went back to watch some of the original series and it was, it was really Spock that got me interested. He was my favorite character. He still is my favorite character in all of the, uh, Star Trek 
world, I guess. I also uh, had a friend that I would watch the the show and kind of communicate with. She grew up watching the series, and both of our favorite characters were Spock, and followed through as I watched the original series and The Next Generation, and unfortunately she has passed away. And So whenever I think of Star Trek, I, I always think of her and made it equally as hard today that I couldn't share in our uh, emotions and love of uh, Star Trek and Mr. Spock today. But uh, Leonard Nimoy himself, he uh, he had this wonderful likability about him that just is very rare in a lot of celebrities, especially these days. His acting was just so impressive and his ability to convey so much emotion in a character that's not supposed to have any emotion at all, especially in the later films. It was just so cool. And I read an article today saying, you know, he really taught us what it was like to be human. And that's definitely true. Um, he used this great character to convey human emotions in a character that wasn't supposed to have human emotions. And very few people can do things like that. And I know a lot of it was him because if you've read any of his books, you know that many times in the scripts that he received, he would find problems and he would say, you know, Mr. Spock would never do anything like this. And he would take it to the writers or he would take it to Roddenberry and say, look, I don't agree with this. I would like to play it a different way. And they would say yes. And he would hit it out of the park every time. So he truly was a great actor. He was a great director. And I, I definitely think that his influence saved the Star Trek film series. That's for sure. We're never going to forget him or his performances, his great role in the 1978 version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers and some of the other work he did. Uh, he will definitely be missed in the, in the fandom, in the community. And every time we lose a legend like this, we just need to remember that we need to be thankful for the legends that we still have with us and and just remember to pay tribute to these people while they're still alive. And thankfully, I think Mr. Nimoy knew that he had a lot of fans who truly admired him and cared about him and appreciated him for all the great work that he gave us throughout the years. So anyway, that's about it. Um, rest in peace, Mr. Nimoy, and uh, I'll talk to you guys later. Hi, Monster Kid Radio. This is Chris, a.k.a. Sci-Fi on Facebook. And I am just very sad today thinking about Leonard Nimoy. And I, I happen to have the book Warmed by Love, which is a collection of poems by Leonard Nimoy. And I thought I might read a couple to you and that you can share with the listeners. Most of his poems don't have titles, so I'm just going to kind of read them and then give you breaks in between. Rocket ships are exciting. But so are roses on a birthday. Computers are exciting, but so is a sunset. And logic will never replace love. Sometimes I wonder where I belong, in the future or in the past. I guess I'm just an old-fashioned spaceman. This one starts, I will search for you. I know that you will be searching too. I will watch for you as I watch the day break, the sunset. I will listen for you in the singing of the river, 
the mating of the tree branches. And if we keep our hearts open, surely we shall pass through the doors of loneliness into the warmth of love. This one is actually my favorite. May you be guided by the heavenly light. May your dreams become solid and sound. May your goals be well chosen and surely found. May your deeds be touched by decency and grace. And above all, may you find the time to be kind. And then I have one last one that I'd like to share with everyone. Sometimes are gray times. Scanning the overcast sky. Across the tops of wet stately pines, I look for the light of heaven's rays. Locked by the cold gray of winter clouds, until at last thinning to fleece, the moist white gives way. And it has always been the darkness light, allowing me to see through to the first patch of blue. <laughs> 